Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Sarah Jaffe, the author of Work Won't Love You Back, How Devotion to Our Jobs Keeps Us Exploited, Exhausted, and Alone, and Necessary Trouble, Americans in Revolt, both from bold-type books. She's also the co-host with Michelle Chen of Descent Magazine's Belabored Podcast. And now, here's our first letter. So the subject is, my tenant won't go. Yeah, from her home where she lives. So weird how people don't love voluntarily becoming houseless because it inconveniences some landlord who owns more than one home. Crazy, right? I feel like I'm launching into like Tevye's monologue at the beginning of Fiddler on the Roof. Like, a person (laughs) who doesn't want to live in the street to make a rich person feel better. Sounds crazy, no? Dear Prudence, I am about to lose my rental house in California due to my lying tenant who won't move out. She got fired from a good-paying job, so she has no money to pay rent. She told me she quit the job because she was moving in with her boyfriend in Georgia. Not, according to him, I, it was, it, it's a little parenthesis, like a 90s style, like not, I wasn't just weirdly emphasizing not according. This is the same house that I bought at the height of the real estate bubble in 2007 and now can't sell for what I owe. I've never made any money from renting this house after friends helped me buy a property nearby where it was more suitable for me to live. I've already used the last month's rent to pay the January 2021 mortgage since she had told me she was leaving. Now she says she's not moving out. I have the deposit remaining to pay this month's mortgage. Then I will be unable to pay any more. I'm 74, retired, and living on Social Security. I suppose I could get a forbearance from my mortgage company. However, that money would have to be paid eventually, and I'm not interested in adding more to my debt load. I'm already repaying another loan I incurred early last year to have 100 trees cut off that property to satisfy my home insurance. I totally understand the issues with eviction moratoriums for people who have lost their jobs due to COVID. How about tenants who are just scammers, as she has repeatedly proven to be? She is a known alcoholic and illegal drug user. How about landlords like me, who are barely hanging on to their investments and will lose it all due to con artist tenants? I've been coordinating with our local crisis center to provide a home for a needy family if I can get her out. Is there any way to get her out of my house? Probably, but I don't care to tell you any. I hate you, and I hope bad (laughs) things happen to you every day this year. I just think you're the worst, letter writer. I don't like you. I don't like your friends. I don't like your relationship to trees. I think you are a jerk and I hope all of your investments fail. I hope every bubble that you ever try to invest in bursts. Uh, I hope that when you walk, plants are blighted and the soil is turned um, and the birds yell at you. I I am surprised that people continue to to write to you. Are, are they looking to find the exception that is like, no, I'm going to make Danny side with a landlord on this one? Um, yeah, no, we 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 are not pro landlord. I have so many questions about like the Especially details this in this one. letter, though. Yeah, a um, hundred trees cut off that property, dude. If your property 
has a hundred trees on it. It's probably a pretty big property. Also, you're in California. I don't know a lot about the California, you know, a property market because like I don't live in California and I can't afford to buy property. But what I do know is that the housing market is actually booming right now um, and that it has certainly gone back up after the 2008 crisis. So, I mean, you're probably doing okay unless you are in, I don't know what part of California you might be in that doesn't have a booming property market. Um, Somewhere in the Inland Empire. Now, Jeff Bezos probably still wants it to build an Amazon warehouse on. So like, yeah, I I just, I... I don't know. A hundred trees, though. A hundred trees I have questions about. The hundred trees is like, I don't like, I, I incurred a loan to cut down a hundred trees. You said like the damn villain from, uh, what's that weird Don Bluth animated movie where like Robin Williams played a rapping bat in the rainforest? Uh, Fern, Fern Gully. Gully. Yeah, you sound like the bad guy in Fern Gully. Like I've gone into debt to cut down a hundred trees. Like, I, I, I feel, I just feel hatred for you, letter writer. Um, you say there's eviction moratoriums for people who have lost their job due to COVID. Uh, I just want to redirect you to the first line of your letter. She got fired from her job. So she's lost her job. And it sounds like it was pretty recent. So COVID was going on. Yeah. Uh, I also want to know, like, did the landlord call the boyfriend in Georgia? Like, what? what is this, like, not according to him? Like, how do you know this? Like, what is going on here? Especially because it's like the lie that she told you was like less serious than what actually happened. She told you like a face-saving lie. You found out her circumstances are actually worse than she had made them out to be. And you're like, fucking scam artist. And I'm just like, what? This is like Betty Davis in Dark Victory being like, no, no, no. I feel, I feel fine. My head doesn't hurt at all. Please go to your medical conference. Like this. uh, Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, you're going to lose out on an investment which you, you made during the fucking real estate bubble in 2007. Good. I think you should lose money. If, if the options here are this woman should become homeless or you should lose a bunch of money on your second home, I hope you lose a lot of money in your second home. Uh, I hope she gets in touch with her local tenants' rights board. I hope she declares like Dennis Duffy style squatter's rights and is a thorn in your side for the rest of your life. I've never made any <laughs> money from renting this house. Good. You shouldn't. You shouldn't make money from renting homes. People need homes to live in. Fuck off. Yeah. I do just want to note that, like, in the whole, you know, save the landlords thing. um, So there is a bill in Congress that would both forgive all of rent and also mortgages for this period Mm -hmm. of time. So, you know, I mean, if you want to do something about it, you could call your your congressman and tell them to back uh, Ilhan Omar's bill for rent and mortgage forgiveness. That's a thing. Right. And even that, like, I guess I could get a forbearance. I haven't really looked into it. Go fucking look into it. You know you're going to have to. You know she's not going to be making any money because she got fired. So... Like, do the one thing that this fake job of being a landlord requires of you, which is to call the mortgage company and be like, there's no money. It's COVID. Give me forbearance and deal with that. Um, And then, you know, beyond that, I don't know, declare bankruptcy like Michael Scott, sell the house, call the bank and be like, can you just take it? I'm sick of it. Whatever. Give it to her. You know, give her the house. You should give her the house. Let her live in it. Deal with something else. I support this. Give people homes. That's it. She's a known alcoholic. Fuck you. Illegal drug user. Fuck you again. Man, I'm sorry. It's disrespectful to curse at a 74-year-old woman. But I just really, you're just, there's stone in your heart, letter writer. Just fucking stone. She's a, she's a known alcoholic. She does drugs. Oh, yeah. Well, life's very hard and drugs feel amazing. <laughs> and she just got fired. So she has a lot of time on her hands. She should be doing drugs. 
Good for her. You know, give her the house and mail her some of your leftover Valium if you have any. Moving on. Next letter. Sarah, it's your turn. (laughs) Yes to drugs. No to landlords. It's a very simple moral outlook. This is this is uh, this is an excellent political platform. I I support it. Um, Okay. Subject. Losing my friend. Dear Prudence, my friend, who I'll call Mandy, was formerly a coworker of mine. After starting a family, she stayed home instead of returning to work, but we remained close. My husband and I were never able to have children, so we have led very different lifestyles, but we still saw each other once in a while. As time went on, we've continued to talk and text and have always been able to relate to each other even with our very different lives. We support each other through difficult times, share a sense of humor, and get along remarkably well. For a few years, I felt our friendship was one way. I am usually the one who gets in touch or makes plans, and I think it might have always been this way. For a while now, some of my texts go unanswered until I send another unrelated text or two. I haven't heard from Mandy since late summer. I stopped trying to reach out a few months ago after my last message about an upsetting and life-changing event went unanswered. I recently rejoined social media after a few years away and for some reason decided to send her a friend request just in case, which went unanswered too. I'm totally baffled. Mandy has always said I'm a great friend, the only person she can talk to about absolutely anything, the only person who gets her, and other positive things. If that's the case, why no effort to maintain this wonderful friendship? It has left me so confused. I feel guilty, but I'm also really hurt. But it's still hard to let go of such a longtime friendship. How do I proceed? How do I cope with this? I feel like I'm grieving. Please help. I was on a real soapbox this last letter. Maybe you want to start us (laughs) off, take a crack, and I can just uh, vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, um, first of all, like, I can completely relate. I am the person who is maintaining a lot of work and a lot of friendships and then freaking out when somebody doesn't text me back and going, oh, my God, do you not love me anymore? Um, And that's real. And, like, losing a friendship is grieving. And I think that that's super, super real. And we don't really talk about it enough in this world that only values your job and like the handful of people you are related to by blood or legal bonds. And you have every right to sort of take time and and feel that if this is really somebody disappearing. Um, But also having been this, you know, person who gets kind of neurotic about this stuff, I've had a few conversations in the last year, which has been hell, with a couple of friends who have repeatedly reminded me that they do love me and they are really shitty at texting. And so I have done in the pandemic some work on myself to um, let go of that particular need and to, you know, to just be like, okay, you you were not going to be the texter. That's fine. How should we communicate since we are currently in a damn global pandemic and I can't see basically anyone I want to see? How can we communicate that doesn't rely on texting? Now, of course, if this person is just not answering you at all, um, you can't have that conversation. But, like, I would encourage you to maybe think that, like, she might have also had an upsetting and life-changing event happening and that texts just aren't the thing right now. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think a lot of times in situations like these, people will go from, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but I'm not saying anything indirectly because I don't want to be rude to... I am so hurt now and I feel so rejected that I kind of feel like it's my only option is either to ghost this person, but then still feel all the residual resentment or yell at them. And um, there's just such an important step missing there. And I get it. I get that it's really hard to be emotionally vulnerable with a friend who's already distant. 
because there's that fear of like, well, what if I say, I really miss you. I'm really confused. I am really hurt that you're not responding. And then they still don't respond. And I'm not suggesting that that will feel good. It won't. Um, At least then you will know, I said once really honestly what I was feeling. I didn't try to cover it up or minimize it or make a joke out of it or cover up sadness with anger. I, I always think like there will be time for anger later if you need it. But it's always good with a friendship, especially a long-standing friendship, to at least try to start with. I'm sad and I hurt. Can you, can you talk about that with me? Because I, I, I have definitely gone to anger when what I really wanted to say was like, I'm scared and afraid I'm losing your friendship, and that felt too risky. So I just went in like I'm mad as hell, and then it's like, well, now I'm mad too because you're mad at me, and you didn't, you didn't know that this was going on. So now I'm mad, and then like we're both mad, and we're locked into being mad, and it's a lot harder to climb down from that. So maybe you do eventually want to go back to your old friendship, even if you do accept that it's kind of one sided. I think it's possible to have slightly one-sided friendships that aren't just, it's not just a case of like, it's one-sided because I actually don't give a shit about you. Um, I think it's fine for things not to be perfectly balanced and fair all the time. It it may also be possible that that did bother you and you would want it to change. You just, there's, there's a lot you don't know. So I guess I would just say, probably not another text. Try to call, maybe send an email, but just say, I, I really miss you. I know this year's been crazy, so I don't want to make any assumptions about what's going on with you. Um, I just, I know this is unusual for us to go so long without talking. I've been really sad not to hear responses from you about some big things going on in my life. So I just want to know, are you doing okay? Is there something that I've said or done that's hurt you that you didn't know how you could bring up with me? If so, I'm available to talk about it. Or is there something going on that just means you don't have the bandwidth for this right now? Any of those things would make sense. You don't need to like perfectly explain yourself to me. I just, I would love to hear something from you and to maybe figure out if there's a way for us to reconnect in a way that's not like now we have to have, you know, daily Zoom calls or a ton of check-ins and give her that opportunity. And if she handles that well, maybe you can have a phone call. You can have a talk. You can say like, here's what hurt me. What was going on? Can you tell me more about it? She can apologize and let you know. Maybe she ignores that too. And at that point, you can just go ahead and be really sad and hurt and grieve the loss of that friendship. Um but I do think, you know, don't don't send another friend request. Don't send another, hey, how you doing text. Like, don't do something that's a stand-in for the thing you really want to say anymore. You know, you're, you're past that point where her just being like, oh, hey, girl, great to hear from you. It's been crazy, um, would satisfy the part of you that feels hurt. So so don't don't pretend to care less than you do because you're afraid of looking like the one who cares too much. I have also let that hold me back with friendships I didn't want to risk because it was like, well, I don't want to seem needy. I don't want to seem overbearing. So I'll just act real casual. And then when they respond casually, I'll be furious. It's like, how dare you act casually? I've been weeping quietly when you're not looking and you don't know that. I have done that one too. Oh, yes. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I am working so hard on not doing this anymore, which is like, this one is hitting me where I live. One of my favorite things historically has been if I come back from a walk and I get into the shower right away, you should know that means that I was crying and didn't want you to see. And so if you don't intuit that when I walk in the door and head straight for the shower, that something's up and you're in trouble and you should feel bad, you don't care about me at all. And it's just like, oh, that is a... As a wild thing to assume that somebody else would intuit. Uh, that's genuinely bonkers that you think anyone's going to pick up on that and read your your magical little code. 
you sad, weird shower crier, you should find a different strategy for living. And eventually I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean that sometimes I don't find ways to resent other people from the inside of the shower. <laughs> don't we all though? Yeah, no, I, I really, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is like this summer and fall, like I had some sit downs with a couple of people in my life where I was just like, this stresses me out. And they were like, well, this is what stresses me out. And we had a whole like, okay, you know, and, and in one case, you know, one person was like, so it stresses me out when a lot of people text me and I don't answer. And I sort of go down a rabbit hole and then I answer three days later and then everybody's mad at me. And I'm like, okay, well, when I message you about plans that we had and you just don't answer, that stresses me out. So here are the two things that stress us out. Okay. Having had this conversation, we both believe that the other one cares. So how are we going to proceed? And like, we've actually, you know, worked it out. Um, it involves a lots of WhatsApp voice notes, actually, <laughs> which weirdly are less stressful. I don't recommend that for everyone, but it works for me. Yeah. I'll also put in a plug just for the other side of this, which is like, there are a lot of people I think who feel like, the worst thing that could happen would be that I have like an actual definitive friend breakup conversation. And, you know, as painful as those can be, they're often less awful than the sort of like long, confusing, is this it? Are we done? What's happening? Like I once had a friend breakup, like an actual breakup. We like met in public. I was hurt by something. And like one of the first things they said was like, I just want you to know, I'm not sorry for what I did and I'm not going to apologize for it. And that really hurt to hear, obviously. And I was very like, wow, okay. But it was also like, whew, I got clarity. I got so much clarity. I walked away from that conversation being like, I knew exactly what I would have needed in order to consider that friendship salvageable. Super clear that that wasn't going to happen. Um, no ambiguity there. And that felt a lot better than some of the other times that I had like drifted apart from someone with like a series of increasing misunderstandings or sense of like, why don't you get me? Why don't you care? And like, this was at least like, here's what I want. No, you can't have it. Okay, good luck being a person. Our friendship is over. Go live your life, you know? Yeah, I'm, I am all for treating the relationships that matter in our lives as though they matter and that that means they have beginnings and endings and changes and problems and fights. And like, we often act like the only person we're allowed to have those conversations with is like our romantic partner, maybe a brother or sister, maybe your parents, if yeah, I won't even talk about that. But like, we don't, you know, your friends just sort of drift into your life and then just sort of drift away. And what if we didn't act like that? What if we actually did say like, hey, you mean a lot to me. This friendship matters to me. I, I feel lonely and I miss you. And um, I would like to talk if you would like to do that. And if not, then I, you know, would like it if you could tell me that. Yeah. And, you know, whatever does happen, even if you do never hear from her again, you're totally entitled to be angry. You're totally entitled to be hurt. I do want to just throw it out there because I think sometimes when we're hurt, we try to protect ourselves by saying like, oh, this was never any good. This was never okay. There was nothing good about this. This person always sucked. And sometimes that's probably true. But, you know, leave room for the possibility that Mandy does, did mean it when she said she loved you and that you were a great friend. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean she values you in the same way you value her. It doesn't mean that she's going to be there for you in the same ways that you want her to be there for you. But I think it's possible for someone to love you and also have character defects or, or bad habits or, or to respond badly to someone. And so it, it doesn't have to mean that she never actually cared about you. It, it, you know, 
it's definitely okay to decide the way she treats me hurts me too much. I don't want to stay friends. But you don't have to also say, like, she must never have really cared. She must have been laughing at me the whole time. I was a fool to reach out. That can feel really protective because you're like, well, now I'll never do it again. But you, you don't have to, I think, go that far in protecting yourself. You're allowed to say that friendship meant a lot to me. I think it meant something to her too. That's why it hurts. Yeah. And yeah, I, I grieving is a thing that I think about a lot lately. And I think we don't devote enough time to as a culture. We're sort of not allowed to to do it. And people will act like you're kind of nuts if you're saying like, I'm grieving this, this breakup of this friendship. Um, I've also had that happen to me in the not too distant past. And yeah, and you just, you know, get to stand your ground and say like, this mattered to me and I'm sad about it. And I'm allowed to be sad about it. Yeah. And that's all you need to do. So that uh, is it. We have um, yelled at a couple of people. This was a great episode for me wanting to get on a moral high horse. I really got my fill of that. (laughs) Well, you know, I think fuck landlords is a principle that I will also stand by. So yeah, I, I, I support that. I mean, I think I've also gotten better questions from landlords, you know, like even, even as like a a group where I'm like, my, I'm not going to help you achieve your interests. Uh, I've, gotten some letters from landlords who were like, you're trying to do the right thing. You seem reasonably humane. And this one is just like, what is the matter with you? Stop being fern gully. Even for a landlord, you're awful. Stop cutting down trees. I'm sorry I said I want plants to blight as you walk past, letter writer. That's fucked up, both to you and to nature. So I do take that one back. And I don't hope that a bad thing happens to you every day. So I sound like I sound like a five-year-old who's just had to go sit in the corner with like Sarah Schulman's conflict is not abuse and come back and be like, I'm sorry for conflating conflict with abuse. Um, yeah, I just really hope you don't get what you want out of this situation. And I think it's fine if you lose money on your stupid investment that endangers somebody else's ability to have a roof over their head. Homes should not be assets. That is, that is a position that I hold. Yeah, go invest in GameStop or something. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 